It's another Warrior Wednesday with the Cosmic Valkyrie. Today, Karen, the punk rock scientist, is going to share how she left behind a tenured professor position to step into her higher purpose and help transform the lives of our future scientists. You're listening to The Cosmic Valkyrie. I'm your host, Lynn Louise. My Dharma is to help you through rapid recovery from past trauma. My rapid recovery method will call your voice back home so you can reconnect with your inner wisdom and trust, moving you from observer to creator and manifesting the life that you've always desired. I combined ancient healing and wisdom with subconscious reprogramming to help you ascend and align with your higher purpose. You will integrate with your cosmic consciousness to create the expansion and success you came to Earth to experience. I'm honored you're here. Before we get started, let me state my standard disclaimer that all the answers on this podcast and in general are for informational and educational purposes only and in no way a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Hey, Cosmic Warriors, we're here today on Warrior Wednesday with somebody very special to me. I met her in one of my programs. She just gets me really excited because she creates something very beautiful for the world and serving others. She is charismatic. She is a tenure professor in science. Karen, tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and who you serve. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, Lynn. And hi, everybody. I'm Karen McFarlane Holman, and I'm a PhD chemist. I am a lifelong learner, and I'm also a punk rocker. I've been playing in punk bands for 25 years. I love radio. I've been doing college radios when I was in college, and it's extended on to now. And I just love connecting with people and all things art. So very much in that bridging that art science thing. And so with that, um, I've been a chemistry professor at a liberal arts college, small college in the Pacific Northwest for 20 years. And just last year, 2020, what a wild year for everybody. And as it was for me, when I walked into the dean's office and I said, I resigned and handed her a piece of paper and I decided to embark on an entrepreneurial journey. So I started this membership site to help families with all of their kids that are now distance learning, at least in my community, to help them learn science and to help them learn it in a way that I feel like that's powerful and that will impact the kids and that will help the families. Oh my God. I'm going to tell you when you said you handed in your paper of resignation, I got chills because it's such a huge change to entrepreneurship. When we were talking earlier in our conversation, you were talking about how you serve your community and extended community, of course, by helping children learn science, feel like they're being heard and they get excited about it through creative measures. But I want to talk first about your personal journey and where in your life all this kind of started. Wow. Well, I mean, I would say if I go all the way back, I have always, always loved science. So when I think back to when I was six years old, 
and I'm going to bed and my dad comes in to my room to read me a bedtime story. And he's like, what book do you want to read? And I would say, no, no, no. Tell me about the digestive tract of our dog shag. And so he would go over to the desk and get out a piece of paper and he'd draw it out for me. And that's what I wanted. I just, I was always into science. That was pretty much insatiable because we, we ended up moving to a very small town in rural Eastern Oregon without any resources, no, like zero camps of any kind in the summer, um, no after school activities, no enrichment programs at all. So I was basically just reading encyclopedias. That's what kind of kept me going with the science. And I was the youngest of four. And so oftentimes I was just listening to my older brothers and sisters and they were, they kind of, they were in charge pretty much. And when we'd travel, they'd be like, I call not to have to sit next to Karen. And so I'd be just between my parents in the front seat while they were in the back and, you know, not feeling as hurt as I think I should have been. And I had experiences in college as well, where a professor in the lab would just walk past me and just not feeling like I was seen or heard. So that definitely feeds into what I'm doing now with always making sure these kids know that I know that they're there and that they're getting to express themselves. I love that. And what I heard from you in this is that from a very early age, not only was your father delivering you nightly science lessons, but he was sketching them out like schematics, right? Mm -hmm. So you had this beautiful, already a dichotomy between science and art from the get-go. I love that you bring into the conversation, especially as a woman, moving into university and not feeling heard. Because I know it is something that every woman has experienced at some time in their journey in the educational system. Like I hear from you, like you were already in university, you were already settling into what the direction of your life was going to take with science. How did it affect the outcome having this professor ignore or not recognize you? And how did that play out? So that was an organic chemistry lab. And that was the first time actually that I had really significantly powerfully felt that as a woman in STEM in science. So I had transferred, I'd started at one university, gone to another. And the first university I was at was actually had a lot of women in the sciences and that university did not. And so I realized then that it is so important to have diversity and representation in all fields. I mean, I say science because I know science and that it's not well represented, but it makes a difference. You know, you might think, oh, well, if we get the right training that we can, you know, learn how to have the right heart for people who aren't like us, but you really, really do need that representation. And, and I have to say that when I went to graduate school to get my PhD, I was in denial. There were other women graduate students who were saying their bias going on. And I was actually like, no, 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 there's not. And reflecting back, I was like, wow, I was in denial. And I was also going against what these women were trying to say. And now I see. What do you think created that denial within you? Mm -hmm. I feel like I was trying to be part of the boys club. The research lab I was in, it was almost all men and we were listening to Howard Stern and I was just going along with it. And 
I think because I had been surrounded by boys and men being in science that, well, this is the way I'm going to fit in. I'm just going to be another dude, you know? I was a tomboy almost all my life. I imagine we grew up in very similar communities. I was in a very small rural town in Colorado. I never seemed to fit in with the girls that wore the makeup, right? Like I was always the one that was getting dirty, hanging outside, making mud pies, whatever. Oh my gosh, Lynn, we would have been friends. (laughs) (laughs) And so as I grew up, I gravitated towards men. I gravitated towards them because I felt more comfortable. I felt like I could be myself. I didn't have to change who I was to fit in. Yes. Mm -hmm. As you grow older and (laughs) as you enter into the work field, did you see that dynamic change within you? And did you notice a difference in the way men were relating to you and how you were relating to them? It was really interesting. You know, I would say when I started my professor position, because there was eager to graduate school and then I did postdoc, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when I was really settling into professor position, that was when I started having more long-term relationships with women, like working relationships. And we all definitely noticed and got to band together and talk about it, which was really good. How men don't hear women you know, I have great male colleagues and everything, but they don't realize what they're doing. One of them came in and asked me a question, a technical question about an instrument that I knew very well. I'd done PhD work with it. I, I knew it very well. And he asked me this question and I answered him. And two seconds later, another one of our male colleagues walked into the lab and he turned to him and he asked him the exact same question. He answered the same as I did. And then that male colleague felt satisfied And then he left. He didn't realize what he had done, but I was just standing there going, you didn't believe me and you needed acknowledgement from a male. Boom, right there, not feeling heard or acknowledged. And I know that women and men, I'm not going to discount men in this, but my audience is predominantly women, have that feeling. And this all goes back to what we're taught from a really early age, right? So that man was taught from a very early age and in the industry, in his formative years, women don't know as much in science than my male counterparts. Was that when things started to shift for you? Wow. I mean, that was an eye-opening moment. Absolutely. And from there, it extended into meetings. You know, someone, um, a female colleague says something and it's barely acknowledged And then a male colleague says the exact same thing. And then it's acknowledged. I cannot tell you the number of times that happens for years. And the females will talk about it later. Like that happened again. It happened again. And trying to figure out how do we navigate that? You know, and we try to stand up for ourselves and each other. And I don't know. (laughs) I don't have an answer for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one way to really address it is the work that we do with ourselves inside in self-development and understanding our own self-worth and that it isn't validated through others, that we hold the value. We have value just because we are human beings. We came to earth just because we are us, right? And we can respond instead of react to things, which totally changes the dynamic. 
a lot of people in those situations can just get reactive. And if you don't feel like you're being heard and you don't feel like you have your voice, then what you do is you go over and you hide or you go to somebody else and talk about it without addressing the situation up front. Right. But what I'm hearing in your story is that, that these situations were the catalyst behind you taking the development and science from a very early age in the way that children can learn creatively and not only feel like they're heard, boys and girls, but also understand that the other ones need to be heard as well. So you're totally transitioning the way human beings will communicate within the science world in itself, no matter where or what direction they take. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am purposely making these programs that I'm doing co-ed that there are both boys and girls because I have taught, I went to Saudi Arabia two summers and taught at an all girls science camp because the genders are segregated in Saudi Arabia. And so I've seen that model and it's great. There's something to be said for it where the, all the girls together, they feel empowered. They can say what they want, but I purposely wanted to have girls and boys together so that the boys could see the girls being empowered and being right. And that they would, that would normalize all of that. I'm hoping that's what I am hoping. You know, that it's going to make a difference long-term with them because we both know by the age of eight, we have the firm foundation of our core beliefs and our environment and the people around us and ourselves. So by instilling those core belief systems at that adolescent age is going to put in motion a belief system for a lifetime, hopefully. Yes, that is the plan. Right. (laughs) Now share a little bit about how the program works and what you're offering. Yeah. So the thing that I feel like makes what I do stand apart from other people is this live interaction, is the getting to know each other, is the really focused on the kids getting to speak and explain and or just wonder out loud, say their ideas. And that that is something that if you're just kind of set it up like, oh, I need my kid to learn science, let's watch this video on YouTube, or, you know, let's get this program where there's um, booklets that go along with it that the parents can do a little bit of that. But I think having an external mentor, having another adult and having a scientist, you know, come in and acknowledge you. I think there's power in that. And it's genuine because I am genuinely caring for all of these kids. And they're amazing. You know what I hear in this, which is super powerful and totally aligned with me, and I can hear it's amazingly aligned with you too, is that you're helping them get over their fear of judgment by allowing them to make mistakes, learn from them, pivot and grow. Exactly. Can you imagine a society, this next generation of children, not having the fear of judgment that we have had instilled in us? The power to create, to make mistakes and know that it's okay. I can make other choices to get a different outcome. There are few things more powerful than that. Right. Our society is filled to the brim with the fear of judgment. 
I work with women that want to become entrepreneurs or seasoned entrepreneurs. And I can tell you the one thing that gets most of them stuck is the fear of judgment. And they don't show up for themselves because they're afraid that they're going to make a mistake. They're going to be afraid that they're going to be judged and therefore they won't be successful. But once you eliminate that from the factor, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And so true. It gives me chills thinking that you are helping children from a very early age, experiment, grow, make mistakes, learn from them, love and have compassion for them and the people that are making them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it takes practice. It takes practice to lose that judgment. And I have had the sincere joy to see these kids lose that judgment over the, so we started in September. So now it's been four months or so. And that at the beginning, I heard so many more times I did it wrong or did I do this right? You know, this kind of very uneasy and uncertain. And now I don't even get that question. And we're all just kind of laughing together. And I'll, and I will purposely bring in experiments and I, off the top, I say, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, let's see. And I don't know what exactly is going to happen because they'll all maybe bring in different variables. And it's like, let's see what happens. It's incredibly powerful. As a parent, can you imagine having your child in a science program like this, where they have the ability to step into their power, create without a fear of judgment and move through life, knowing that life is just a beta test, right? <laughs> it wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to raise your child in a much different way than we have been raised. Oh my gosh. Yes. Breaking free of those constraints of social fears that are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. There is no such thing as perfection. And no. being able to embrace that from a very early age changes the whole trajectory and direction of the life you want to take. You no Absolutely. longer look for external validation, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I also have, I have no quizzes. There's no exams. We're just in there to explore. Oh my God. That's brilliant. Of course you have a PhD in this. Of course it's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) You've resigned from your position. I'm telling you that took a lot of courage. You know, what's wild is that at the time it felt so in alignment with me that it didn't even feel like it took courage. Is that weird? No, it is passion driven. Yeah. And that's really where we gain our ability to untap all resources and abundance is when we're working from alignment and passion and driven. So before we wrap up, where can people find you? And do you have anything to offer them? Yeah. So I have an information page about the science program. It is sciencerockstarkids.com. You'll see a video of me explaining all of this and everything else. So make time for science is kind of like my umbrella movement. Make time for science is is really what I'm trying to tell everyone. So if they email make time for science at gmail.com. And if they're like, I heard you on Lynn's podcast, then I would be happy to give them two free weeks in the program. Oh, nice. Try it out. 
I love it because I'm involved in some mom entrepreneur groups on Facebook. And I know that there are so many overwhelmed mothers out there with homeschooling right now. What a great opportunity for them to incorporate this into their curriculum. Yeah, I have uh, homeschooling families who they just use this for their science. It's once a week that we meet. It's for an hour. And a lot of the parents love it because they set up their kid and then the parents go and they go do work or they hang out or whatever. It depends on the kid's age, of course. But in any case, the parents are digging it. I love it. I'm definitely going to share all the information in the show notes. I also, yeah. I, have a, I have a YouTube channel <gasps> and it's called Professor K Science. K, just the letter K. And I know you also have a really fun out there podcast with a buddy of yours. Yes. Yeah, it's called 10 Bestest. And that's a one zero bestest because we each bring in five cool things that we're just interested in in the moment. So it's really, it's a podcast for people who are just curious humans who are lifelong learners and just want to learn about cool things quickly because we do it very efficiently rapid fire style. So by the end of the show, you've learned about 10 new cool things. I love it. And thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. If you love helping others, then please share this via social media with your friends and family. If you found value in it, they will too. Also, if you have questions, I'm here for you. You can email questions to thecosmicvalkyrie at gmail.com. I may even use one of your questions for future podcast episodes. And finally, I do have a personal request. I believe that we're all here to help each other heal, grow, and evolve. So if you would please leave a nice review on iTunes, I would be forever grateful and together we could transform more lives.